Podcast, the podcast that is dedicated to bridging the divide between police and the communities that they serve. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it. Your love, your attention, your focus, uh, your your participation, uh, emails, um, and I really, really appreciate all the downloads that you guys have been giving. I really, really appreciate it. Please keep up the good work. Um, today we did a. Uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna release an episode that we did on Facebook Live. If you don't know, every Monday, 7:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I do a Facebook Live. Uh, during those episodes, um, you know, um, uh, we, we just have a, a great, lively discussion. And uh, I had a friend of mine on. Uh, we recorded this some some time ago. I'm trying to catch up. Uh, I've been uh, really, really backed up with the, the shows that I have to release and everything like that. So I'm trying to really catch up. So we recorded this episode amongst the, the kind of the height of the George Floyd pro- protests, um, even though they, they weren't going around the country, right? So, so this is pr- before the uh, the trial actually. Um, I, I think we recorded this before the trial even started. Uh, matter of fact, I know we recorded this before the trial even started. Um, so uh, I really, really, so we ha- had a great conversation, just the introduction to to that. Uh, we, and then we get into uh, my friend, uh, Stacy B. Jones's book um, that he wrote uh, called I Pastor Hip Hop. It's available just about everywhere books are sold. Uh, it's congratulations to him because his book is now um, part of uh, some Christian ministries um, reading readings. Um, I think he's even teaching some classes along the line. So he's really doing some good things as far as ministry and it's really opening up doors for him. And so pastoring hip hop, you know, he and I grew up in a, in a church or in a denomination that was uh, really restrictive. Didn't want us listening to any type of secular type of music, secular being any type of music that wasn't Christian, right? If it wasn't Christian or gospel, we shouldn't be listening to it. So for him to have embraced uh, hip hop, as a, as a way of a reflection of what hip hop is. It's a rebellion against the machine. It's uh, telling a story about the streets. That, that is what hip hop is or, or was. I mean, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what's going on with it today. Uh, but but anyway, that's that's where we came from with that. So he has embraced, embraced hip hop. Uh, he was at, at one time himself going around touring, doing Christian hip hop, Christian rap. Uh, so uh, we're just going to talk about you know his life and why he wrote why he wrote the book. Stacy Jones is obviously from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, he's he was not did not live very far from where George Floyd was killed. He had house uh, was surrounded at times by protesters and rioters and all that kind of stuff. So we talked a little bit about that and have not listened to the other other previous episodes uh, with Stacy Jones on it. Please make sure that you go back and do that. So we're going to get right into it. So here is the interview that we did. Once again, it was a Facebook Live inter- interview, so we kind of just jump right into it. And um, make sure that you rate, subscribe, and share these episodes. Very, very important. If you know anyone who is struggling with their faith in hip in, in hip hop or faith in general, uh, anyone who really would benefit from this episode, uh, please make sure that you just uh, give them this uh, this this episode. You know, make sure that you share this episode with them. Rate, subscribe, and share as always. Uh, please pick up a copy of my book. Please perform uh, the, the intro. The the advertisement for that is at the end of the episode. But uh, please perform a police retired police captain a perspective uh, on the evolution of law enforcement in America and how to fix the justice system or how to improve the criminal justice system uh, is available on uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, 
in uh, just about anywhere books are sold. Soon to be on format. Much love and peace, everyone. Here we go. Down over this, over this fool. So we're live now. I just want to let you know, but we can continue talking about it. But yeah, so I think that that's 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 the issue, man. Is that um, he? I, th I think that that's that's where it's going to come in at. You know, this particular brother. You know, so so we were just kind of catching up for anyone who's going to uh, watch this. I know we're we're live right now, but we were catching up on what's going on in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota. I got my man, the good, right, Reverend Doctor Bishop uh, Stacy B. Jones up here, author extraordinaire. Yeah, right, right, Reverend. Bad jokes, right, Reverend. I was right, right. <laughs> my friend and my brother, man. How you doing, brother? I'm doing okay, man. I'm good. Doing okay, it's, it's good to be on with you, man. Uh, it's good to be on with you too, man. I appreciate you coming back, man. I believe this is your third time, man. So. I want to catch up uh, a little bit about what's going on and talk about your book a little bit. Okay. But, uh, uh, so just first of all, let's, we were catching up on uh, Friday. I was coming on live. We were catching up on the, um, on what's going on in Minneapolis there, man. So just tell us uh, how everything's going out there besides well, being, being cold. I would assume. I know, right? Snow, <laughs> yin yang. Uh, it's funny. Yeah. I believe y'all are, are getting hit with the um, yeah, snow right pretty now. hard, pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. Well, every winter here, the average is like the blizzard of nineteen ninety six, I think, or is mm. it ninety five? Was it ninety five? Well, was it ninety five? I don't know. I'm talking Probably. about in, in, in down back at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't really remember. Um, yeah, but anyway, that's that's the typical winter for Minnesotans here, and and it drops below zero. There's a few weeks out out of the year that drops below zero. So, um, yeah. So the, guys, weather is, the weather is interesting, man. You know, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And the climate in the community, like any city, the city, your city can always improve. Your city can always be uh, can do better. You know, there's always issues with city, the city council. There's always issues with policing. There's always issue like any city. But I want to say what makes ours a little peculiar, not peculiar, but what makes ours um, in a unusual situation right now is the killing of George Floyd. Um, and you know, that's the city where I reside in, um, in, in this season of life. And it's, it's, it's been pretty intense. Um, you know, we're just waiting to see what's going to happen. Um, as these officers basically are, um, you know, you know, when they're in court, we're just going to see what happens, how everything goes down. So yeah. we're just waiting and, yeah. um, I'm praying for my city, man. You know? Yeah. So what I mean, so there's still you said uh, before, there's a lot of still homicides going on. There's still a lot of violence going on. Right? There is. There is. Yeah. There is yeah. a lot of crime shooting in the community and all that kind of stuff. Um, for some odd reason, man, um, these young people are not waiting till it's cold. I mean, till it's till it warms up right now. Mm. They're like, yo, you know, what I mean, I'm gonna be a cold hearted killer, literally mm. <laughs> out in the cold, man. So, you know. So, yeah, man. I mean, I know we didn't want to talk about this, and I didn't mean to. I know. Well, what what can we do about that, man? I mean, I know that your church is trying to do some stuff, and, and we want to get into that a little bit later. But, mm -hmm. but, man, I mean, how do we? I mean, this is obviously, or is it, in response to the George Floyd? I mean, this is not 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 a, not a, it's. We went from George Floyd protested on these brothers 
killing each other. And this really takes away from the Black Lives Matter movement, from all the momentum that, that people are building, right? And they say, look at this. New York City did the same thing, was blowing up for a little while uh, with the violence that was going on, man. So this this really hurts any type of, of momentum, any type of movement that people have, any type of sympathy that people have for, for Black Lives Matter and for any uh, police reform. If anything, they say, look, uh, you know, they need more more cops, more aggressive or assertive policing. What's your thoughts? Well, it's counterproductive. It's counterproductive, man. And I don't, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of organization or kind of movement you try to set up in the community uh, to really um, eradicate or to go against violence, to fight against violence. I mean, when you see kind of like a lot of the stuff that's not changing within the community among young people as, as how they relate to each other and as it deals with solving conflict, it's counterproductive. It becomes a challenge, it becomes an issue. And, um, and that's what's happening, man. There's a lot that's going on. And uh, I want to say, um, I think there needs to be more of a communal psych psychological approach. You know, uh, community psychology and, and certain healing circles is just so essential right now to what's going on. Because especially knowing with COVID, um, you know, uh, people, the social distancing stuff. Um, I don't know how it is uh, on the East Coast, you know, where, you're, where you are right now, but as far as... Uh, kids going back to school, it's kind of like, um, there's a challenge with that, you know, um, the kids are not fully back in school. And so there's just a lot that's going on. And I believe it's taking a toll on our community. Uh, um, especially the fact that I'm living in Minneapolis right now. Um, it's, it's taking its toll. There's just been one, there's been trauma uh, after trauma after trauma. And when people don't deal with the trauma, you start to see kind of like uh, the side effect you know, undealt with trauma leads to more trauma. And sometimes people don't want to take the time to acknowledge that. No. You are right, brother. You are right. I like what you said. A community, communal psychological approach is what we need. Yeah, we we can delve into that a little bit later, but let's jump into it, brother. Let's talk about some controversial type of topics here. Uh, let's get into uh, your, yours and mine, our upbringing. But let's tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, I know, you know, and uh, I know this is your third time here, but reintroduce yourself, right? Yeah. Allow me, I, I'm going to allow you to reintroduce yourself since we're talking about hip hop today. So, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> well, uh, well, my name's Stacy Jones. Uh, me and Lawrence knew known each other the majority of our lives, so over 30 years of friendship. Uh, I was born and raised in uh, New Haven County, to be specific, Waterbury, Connecticut. Um, and I just, uh, uh, I, I live in Minneapolis. I reside in Minneapolis with my wonderful wife and son, Priest. Um, uh, I pastored, I planted a pastor at a hip hop church for 10 years. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, hip hop artist, um, author, um, friend, um, sibling, brother, you know, just the basic things. And um, right now, um, I'm pursuing, I'm trying to complete a master's right now um, in div. Um, so that's kind of like, and then also another thing that I'm doing, I'm proud, uh, I'm proud of it is um, I'm what you call a director of community relations for an organization called Up, Upworks, where we help uh, uh, high school students become more career minded, even if they're not pursuing higher education. Um, I'm in the process of training young people um, especially those who are in alternative schools to think more in terms of a career. You can still have a career, even though you may not possess a, 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 a college degree, you still know that, you know, 
you should pursue a career. So I, I do a lot of training in that area. So that's where my focus, my energy is at right now in the season of life. And I'm loving it. It's a good thing. Excellent. Excellent. And you said master, you said uh, MDiv, which stands for master of divinity, right? Yes. Now, is there a focus that you, is there different focuses? I, I don't know. Is there a focus that you're going for? Yeah, there are, man. There are. And uh, for a while, even before then, I, I switched. I was doing something called uh, a theology and arts. You know, it's a master, you know what I mean? Was, um, so uh, my focus is basically right now in this season, man, it's just um, trying to, how can I say it, man, um, impact, uh, impact, it's kind of hard to explain, but just impact more of, uh, the church world and the social world through art. I believe that art is prophetic. I believe that art is uh, is a form of worship. Um, so I'm really big on art. I feel like art is one of the ways we can really heal the world. Okay. Does that answer your question, man? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Trey Allen is angry. I don't know why Trey Trey's angry. I don't know Trey. Why are you angry? <laughs> well, somebody's angry. Uh, she put an angry emoji in here. I, I don't know. So do we do all something right. already? Oh. <laughs> um, no, she just put an angry emoji at the top here. And, and so we can't, we, a lot of times we can't see what's going on. I can see that she put an angry emoji in here. So here's the book that you wrote. Uh, I passed her hip hop. And so let's, let's, let's take it from the top here. Okay. Um, let's take it from the top. First of all, tell us where the book is available at. Where's, where's the, okay, book, the book is available on my website, stacybjones.com. S-T-A-C-E-Y-B jones.com maybe my, my beautiful wife oh trey oh sorry no it's it's it's, it's okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we thought we did something already i'm like we were five minutes in this episode we're like, oh, sorry, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. uh stacybjones.com i'm putting it in right now okay stacybjones.com that's how you can get it you know or if you see me in the neighborhood you know if you want to drive north minneapolis right in the heart of the city going the north side you're running to me because i'm always around the neighborhood so Okay. Um, so hip hop, man, uh, what, what made you decide to write the book? Uh, your, your love for hip hop, all that kind of stuff. Talk about it. Well, I, I grew up, man. I grew up in it. Um, I was, I was fortunate to be around it all my life, uh, from my cousins, uh, to my oldest brother, Courtney, who, who taught me the most about it. My cousin, Rich, who was a DJ, my cousin, Wayne, who I consider a funketeer and also really immersed in, in, in hip hop culture. Um, all those different elements and then just being around it, you know, um, just, you know, you know, you know, Lawrence, how it was, man, you know, break dancing, graffiti art, um, people rapping, um, the DJ and all that kind of stuff. So I was just, I was immersed in the culture. I was, I tell people I was immersed in both worlds. I was immersed in the church and I was also immersed in, in hip hop culture. So, uh, it became a part of me. Um, and it was funny when I moved to the Midwest, I never realized how much of a part of hip hop was, was in me. So it was just that I, I displayed it in just about everything I did. I mean, I didn't even realize that. And the interesting thing was um, there was a period of time when I got more, uh, I got more connected with my faith, you know, started to practice my faith. I try to step away from it, but it was still so, I was still immersed in it that it was kind of like interwoven like a braid. And, um, you know, it just came out. It came out, you know. Very good. So, and you always had a, so you and I grew up in a church, uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the grand old church of God in Christ, church of God in Christ. And so you had a musical talent, musical talents, uh, abilities, right? You played the drums too, right? Didn't you? I played you play the drums. You remember that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yep. Uh, and I had zero talent and abilities. <laughs> I had, <laughs> and I have, 
Now, you, you, you can preach your tail off, but you had that skill. You could orate. You, you, well, uh, yeah, and so people probably don't know this, but I was a, I was a former minister in the church. Um, yes, you so, are. Good but one. I was. Well, I appreciate you saying that, man. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> um, so, what was what was so special about the about the about the church that we grew up at, the Pentecostal church that we grew up at, is that you had to have, in order to really preach, do that squalling and stuff, you really had to have some musical talents and abilities, and I really didn't have that. So, I I was more of the yeah the teacher kind of flat footed because I didn't have that have that ability. And we grew up in just bring it back to hip hop. There, we grew up in, um, you know, I think a break dance came out when I was in fifth grade. Uh, in maybe fourth or fifth grade or so, something like that. Well, well it, got, it got popular because breakdancing was out for for a while, man. Um, it was. We'll, we'll we'll talk history in a minute, but keep going on. Okay. Well, you're the historian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, so what was funny is is that um, uh, we had a teacher. She came in and I we had, in the school that I went to, uh, we had three fifth grade classes. I'll never forget this. Three fifth grade classes. So she comes in the room. And she says, "Who wants to come in the other room?" There, you know, I just wanted a break from from work. I, I didn't hear her say. And I could be wrong, but I didn't hear her say for what reason. I just like, all right, listen, I don't want to do this work anymore. Let me just go in the other room. I don't know what they got going on in there, but but let me just do something. And so I go in the other room, and so they start. She puts on some 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 music, and then people start breaking. So now, because I'm representing the other fifth grade class, I got to go in there and start breakdancing. So I do a little something something, and I then I try to spin on my back and all that kind of stuff. And she's like. What you come in here for? Who's next? <laughs> Talk about being a penny waiting for change, man. I felt so stupid, man. But but so what you come in for? Basically, say use corny, use what? Basically, yeah. Basically, say <laughs> basically say I wasted everybody's time, man. <laughs> what you come in for? Get yeah, out. yeah. It was crazy, but this is a teacher not saying this to me. That's I'm like, ah, oh, man. Where, where's the encouragement? Where's the love? You know, <laughs> I'm not calling to empower you on this. I'm speaking the truth, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wasted everybody's time, and you you That's made a fool out of yourself. <laughs> so, so I can laugh about it today. I wasn't laughing then, though, but yeah, I laughed about it today. <laughs> All right. So, so growing up in the church that we grew up at, uh, there was a there was a. Um, an antagonistic attitude towards towards hip hop, right? Um, towards break dancing, uh, towards uh, hip hop culture. Even though I don't even think we called it hip hop. We probably called it rap culture back then. We right? did. We did. We, yeah. we called it hip hop uh, culture. We we did. Okay. It, it, okay. it depends on it depends on your level of understanding. Okay. All right. So so I I must not have had any understanding there. I call it. I probably I think I just called it rap. Now I grew up in in, in the church that I, my mother was very very in her, immersed in that. And so she didn't want us playing it. She didn't want us uh, listening to it. She didn't want any box. And, you know, I wanted a big box for my for my birthday, I think, for like yeah. seventh seventh grade birthday. I wanted a big box to listen to, you know, listen to the New York station because nothing was playing here in Corny Waterbury. So you had to listen to New York station. I couldn't get a good signal on that kind of stuff. No matter how much tinfoil I put on the on, on well, the WBLS. <laughs> yeah, WBLS. No matter how much. Uh, <laughs> So, um, so just talk about how you fell in love with uh, hip hop, man. Just talk talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know it was crazy. I remember back in 1979, man, and I'm dating myself. Okay, <laughs> 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 I didn't have any, man. I, I had no skill. It was crazy. I did a couple moves, spun on my back, 
trying to freeze, and that was it. She was like, what you coming here for? Who's next? I was like, oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's crazy, That's crazy, What happened was, in 1979, I was like uh, five or six, uh, and I remember, man, I was just hearing. I remember I used to just hear, then my cousin Wayne used to come in, and I remember, man, I, I used to hear just like, Man, I remember I, I heard like Sugar Hill Gang. I remember I get some kind of some of the years mixed up. I remember I used to hear people like uh, the Soul Sonic Force with African Mbada in them. Mm. I mean, you name it. Though. I just remember just hearing it. And my love for the music was just, I was connected. I was connected from that. And then like, you know, my cousin Wayne, uh, he lived uh, a few blocks down the street um, uh, with my grandma, my aunt at the time. and. Uh, he, like I called him a funketeer though, but he was really into his funk music and his hip hop music. And I remember he used to just hear him just rock, you know, play play his funk music, rock on his drum pad and all that in his, in his room. And I was just amazed by it. And then um, just seeing the culture unfold before my eyes, man, I, I, I fell in love with the culture and the entire culture, not just the music aspect, you know, uh, where people don't understand. And we could talk more about that, but it was a culture that I fell in love with, not just the music. You know, mm-hmm. and it happened in the late 70s, I remember, you know. And so, so again, we grew up in this church that said not to things. At least I, I, I can tell you quite frankly that my former pastor at Deliverance Church used to tell us not to do these things, not to be embracing these things. Listen, they, they used to bug out when we watch He-Man cartoons, and I'm not kidding. Yeah, because right? we by <laughs> the power of grace. You know? Right, right, right. And they used to bug out about that, you know. Yeah. So. Um, what did you ever feel that t- that type of uh push pull a- as a kid? You're loving hip hop, loving the culture, but mm-hmm. then you want to embrace you know what your parents are teaching, what your church is teaching. Did you ever feel any of that? Well, I want to say this though, uh, I was kind of in a unique situation to some degree. Don't forget, remember, my mom was a minister of music, mm-hmm. that right? My mom, don't get me wrong, my mom was straight certified in the church, right? Uh, but for some odd reason, I, I think my dad, um, my dad was, uh, you know, uh, my dad was a little bit more open. So we, you know, I felt like even though it was a strain probably between them two, but I felt like there was a little bit more balance. My dad left room for us doing that, right? But you know, when we, you know, we were beatboxing, man. We'd be going around the house. My father be looking at me like this, you know, just he'd be looking at us and I'm getting tired of hawking and spitting, you know. You know, my dad was funny with that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you know my dad, so that's why you probably laugh. But, um, Should we uh, tell that story? Should we tell that story? People gonna think we wild, bro. People gonna think we wild. So probably be like hogging and spitting. You know what I mean? But not. Nah, uh, but, oh, but yeah, no, please don't do that. One. Come on, man. Go ahead, tell the story, man. Tell the story, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that, L. For real, man. For real. No, nah, um, for the real. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna cut my head. No, but seriously, seriously. Um, so what happened was, um, I was fortunate enough because uh, the church I was at, right, uh, it's Redeemer Love Tabernacle Praise, but it was called Richardson Memorial at the time. My uncle, uh, a Reverend Laverna McDaniel, I think he was pretty regress- uh, progressive, right? Um, uh, well balanced, right? I didn't necessarily feel the pressure from my church per se. But you remember though, I mean, we have friends, think about it. We have friends and peers and other people, um, older saints and stuff like that. Um, there, was, there was a few pockets 
uh, around that made me feel basically that something was wrong with that. Um, I remember even just secular music. I used to hear people say, well, quit singing the devil's music. Quit singing that devil song, you know? And um, so what happened was after a while, you know, I used just to feel like, man, was something wrong with that, you know? And then my mom was, um, uh, my mom was, uh, she understood and appreciated music, but she wasn't into secular music. So the issue was not even so much hip hop per se with that, but just secular music. So when you said, I'm gonna not only uh, 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 listen, you know, listen to uh, secular music, but then say hip hop. It was kind of like a double whammy. Like, Lord knows, don't do no devil's music or devil songs. But then on top of that, you want to bring this whole culture into it too. What's mm -hmm. your problem? You know what I'm saying? So it was kind of like um, I found myself um, in in a lot of uh, ways in a unique position. But then the pressure all around me of the church culture in general made it hard, and that's what made me question it. Because either way it goes, it doesn't matter who's around, when you hear an older person talking, you listen, and that's how we were brought up. Pay attention to older people, don't talk back, respect what they say, and and, and, and do what they say, so. I can remember uh, preachers coming into our church and saying, y'all on that old hippity hop, hippity hop, yeah. what, what are y'all doing, hippity hop? Yeah. I can remember, I can remember that. Or that boy and, doing them raps, like it's plural, raps. Right, 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 your raps. These dudes don't even know what they're talking about. Um, <laughs> Good do the raps, that boy doing them raps. There's no such thing as raps, you know. And you talk about the 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 again the push pull of what people are going through. I can remember my mother. The, remember this in the 1980s. Remember that year that Michael Jackson took home almost every single uh, uh, Grammy that there was. He took home like 11 Grammys or something like that. Like the record came back and swept last next following year. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I can remember my mother feeling bad about whether we should watch it or not the grammys because she had that push pull because the church was saying get away from secular music get away from secular music St don't listen to this right it's of the devil all that kind of stuff and then my mother you know we, we all want to see this you know this is not not that we knew he was going to win but we knew that 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 album that he had was it off the which album was that thriller beat it i don't know which whichever one it was yeah um off the wall, I don't know, whatever, whichever one it was, he, you know, he, he won all the stuff and, and the music, you know, was good, but we had this, this, this internal feeling about not wanting to watch it, not being able to listen to it, listening to in and, and having this, this idea that it was sinful and that God was going to punish us. Yes. And I think that that, that, that I think is, can, can create certain stigmas in people's minds, certain stigmas in people's minds. You know, to be honest with you, man, I think it affected us, it affected us psychologically in a sense too, man. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because the thing is, when you're taught something for such a long time, <clears throat> especially when you're young, it get it's built into your mindset, man. And as you get older, as you're trying to break away from it, there's that wrestle. And I had that. Mm. I had that. I had that for a long time. Even after I started to study and come to the realization that a lot of the stuff I was taught was more cultural than scriptural, there still was that wrestle because it was ingrained into my psyche. Mm. Yeah, I, that's definitely something that I want to dig into. Mm -hmm. um, so before, Trey Allen says we have to tell it. There's a story that I want to tell. You, you, I want you to tell it, though. No? Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. okay. Listen, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. I think it's, I, it's not bad, man. Come on, oh, Yes, man. it is. It's bad, man. <laughs> All right, so keep going, on, dog. <laughs> That's all you keep saying. Now you got to tell. You got to tell it. You probably gonna say it like five more times. <laughs> so, so you grow up. So we both grow up. Uh, we we you know we graduated high school. All that kind of good stuff. 
and then you move out to to Minnesota and start becoming and uh, you went to school out there mm-hmm. and um stayed out there and then you open up a hip hop church. Yeah. So obviously the, the the struggles that you had, the internal psychological damage that you said you had to overcome, obviously at some point you overcame it. Right? So I so talk this, I overcame it, but check this out. But there still was that wrestle of me um in the back of my mind feeling like I'm disappointing um um the saints of old, you know, um feel like that I'm doing something wrong because a lot of them didn't agree with it. You know, like like I told you, man, I, I actually went I was I was in counseling for a while, you know, because of that, because of a lot of the dogmatic indoctrination that I got. And I'm not trying to say it was necessarily the church I was in, but just the culture around me, because, you know, churches, they 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 were in close proximity and we fellowshiped a lot. We shared a lot, you know, and I heard a lot from older people. So um, there still was that struggle, but that burning desire like Jeremiah, man, I couldn't I couldn't stop this expression. man. it was a part of me. And, and in order for me to be true. Uh, 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 I had to allow that other aspect of me to, to come forth in that, you know? So here, I hey, a, uh, so is my former, uh, choir director there who would get on me cause I could never hit the notes cause I had no musical talent there. So, <laughs> um, hey, she's going to deliver it. Yeah. It's Nisi. Nisi. Oh, Nisi. Hey, yeah. How you doing? Um, so, so tell us what a hip hop church is. What is a hip hop church? What is that? I would say a hip hop church is a church that leaves space and that has intentional strategy to reach out to this demographic of people who are immersed in hip hop culture, whether they're Christian, non-Christian, but they're being intentional about reaching out to this demographic, these group of people that are really um, influenced by the culture. They're submerged in the culture. And that means even as far as your liturgy is concerned, you see the elements of hip hop go forth uh, in um, uh, <laughs> all hush. Go talking forth, to me. <laughs> uh, you know, go go forth in um, um, in your worship services. Like for instance, um, the difference. Uh, just to give a people a brief lesson on what hip hop is, hip hop is is a subcultural movement that evolved in New York in the boroughs of New York that has four main elements, which is the DJ, uh, the the uh, the b boy b girl slash they say Bronx boy Bronx girl or break dancer. Uh, the graffiti artist, and then the MC slash rapper. And then at the foundation, there is this 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 knowledge component, what they call knowledge, which talks about knowledge of self, which talks about understanding your history, your theological background, all those different things um, comprise of, of hip hop culture. So um, the church that we had established was designed to uh, engage people um, where they were at as far as loving the culture. Uh, but the thing is, we kept a biblical foundation. Uh, what the the thing for me was, I I was a, a person that was convicted to do everything uh, within Scripture. So um, yeah, so that's basically kind of like what a hip hop church is. But uh, and listen, I'm I'm deferring to you. But I w- is okay, you define what hip hop culture is as far as the history, as far as the elements of 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 the I would say the musical genre. But but hip hop culture as far as it goes beyond that, right? I mean, as far as the dress, uh, as far as uh, yeah, those those are uh, those are sub elements. I mean, okay. hip hop is a it's a culture, man. It's a culture. It's a nation. Because mm. um, um, the thing is, man, when you look at a culture, man, every culture has its own way of relating. They have dress. They have talk. They they, they have converse. You know, uh, the style of talk, linguistics, lingo. Uh, 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 they have philosophy. They have you know, it's 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 basically qualified as another full fledged culture 
that people have. Like when if if you fly overseas, um, you realize there's just that's that's a culture. You know what I mean? And and as you're as you're getting involved in these cultures, you realize that people don't share the same views you have. You know what I'm saying? Or they might, but it's just probably packaged a different way. You know, and that's what hip hop was. Uh, Aisha is asking a very good question. Of course, she always will and always does. Uh, can you give us an example of how a service would be in your church? What, what does that look like? Um, I would I would encourage you, if you can, to uh, tap onto my uh, Facebook page, Urban Jerusalem. But I will tell you quickly, uh, uh, one of our main uh, musicians uh, was a DJ. You know, we would have B-Boys in our service, uh, B-Boys, B-Girls, breakdancers in our service. We have a DJ. We have someone sometimes doing a live painting. And then even with our, our, our praise and worship, and all that, which my wife led, uh, she she would lead, and we may have an MC on the side rhyming. So we'll have the four elements present in our services. You now, that's got to be very difficult for people who have been, as you mentioned, very churched. Mm -hmm. The church that we grew up into, so if, I, if I went out to Minnesota mm -hmm. and visited you and your church, or mm -hmm. Aisha went out there and visited your church, mm -hmm. right? You, it, and it's so different from, from the style that we, I mean, how did you break that to people? And how how is that? I mean, was it for younger people? I mean, how that just seems it's blowing my mind, quite honestly. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, man, I, I'm going to tell you, man, where I was at, I said, look, my wife and I, we said, we just going to do it. I mean, that's, that's who we are. Funny thing about it though, man, while I was immersed in hip hop culture, my wife was immersed in hip hop culture in the Twin City area too. You know, so it was kind of like a match made in heaven with me and her connected because she loved, she grew up church of God in Christ, just like us. She, she loved hip hop and she loved church like, 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 like us. So the thing was, um, she said, and we both said, look, when we plant this church, we're going to remain true to our expression, true to who we are. And as we did that, man, it just it just went forth. You know, we didn't we didn't hide, you know. So um, I never thought about uh, how it would be an issue for people, because the way I felt like, look, man, we're going to engage a certain demographic of people. And if they come, we're good. You know, and if people come and, and if they pass out, then that's, you know, you know, what I mean, I'll assume that they got slain in the spirit. So. You're right. <laughs> you know. So, you get so, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I want. I'll ask their questions. They, they, they're asking some good questions here. Uh, how many members do you have? How or many did members you have? Do I have? Yeah. We had a smaller congregation, but at times uh, our capacity would be about 250 people. You know, so <laughs> that's a that's a pretty sizable crowd, though, man. That's I mean, it small. is. But the thing is, as far as the members were concerned, we were probably like about between. Gosh, I, I'm, it's crazy. I, I wasn't a member counter. You know what I'm saying? Um, oh, tops uh, that were really dedicated. I'll say really dedicated. You know what I'm saying? I'll say for me, probably about 35 really dedicated people that was a part of the movement and all that kind of stuff. But okay. the crowd was because, you know, you, you understand because you were you were in ministry before. There's a difference between people that come and people that are that are really dedicated. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, so people, and here's what I'm picturing. People are probably picturing traditional churches, the stained glass windows, uh, the, the benches, the pews. You're saying that you had uh, uh, graffiti artists doing stuff. I mean, is do you have an altar? Do you have the pew, traditional-looking church? And Nisi's asking, is, is it dark or well-lit? What what was the atmosphere like? What, what was what was all It was like? like, man, uh, some people told me it felt like there was there was a club vibe to it. Some people told me it was like a, a, like a cafe feel. We had certain, every first Saturday, we had what you call Ur Urban J Cafe. The name of the church we had was called Urban Jerusalem, right? Uh, means urban, Jerusalem means city of peace. So basically we were saying uh, 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 in the urban arena, it's, there's, a, there's, there's, a, it, there's a peaceful aspect to it. So um, we had, it was like a real cool 
uh, coffee house vibe to it. Um, uh, I remember I used to hear like college age students used to tell me, man, because we had our services were on Saturday nights for the first nine, eight, nine years, Saturday nights. I did that the combat club night, you know, and I remember I used to hear uh, people come through and say, listen, man, this really helped me, man, because uh, I'm trying to really, really reconnect with God and I don't want to be consumed by club night. And this really fits it for me. You know, and then you, I used to hear parents used to say that they were so grateful that we had it on Saturdays because their 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 kids were willing to come to our service on Saturdays, and then you know their parents would vibe on Sundays. So it it really worked for a lot of people. Uh, so that goes into Nisi's uh uh question on Nisi's uh Aisha's question. Uh, what kind of ministries or events do you have? So you had the Saturday night services, mm-hmm. um, and in in opposition to uh club night and you didn't have it you didn't have sunday sunday morning services we didn't have sunday morning to like the final two years of 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 of, of our ministry because the thing is we we planted and passed that for 10 years until god placed in our heart that that mission was complete you know so okay. we went 10 years strong with it and then that mission was complete now what i'm doing now is i'm you know like you know i just wrote a book i lecture uh i just a couple of years back i taught my first uh college course on it, the theology of hip hop. So I'm doing things of that nature. So we're okay. praying and asking God the next season. We might plant like that again, you know. So we're just really seeking God in this season. What do you have us to do? Now, it's it's difficult to say how many lives you touched, but how many lives did you touch? I mean, I mean, you uh, had 250 people in different services. In thousands. It was up in the thousands. Okay. Up in the thousands. And do you think that you've helped people? Do people still contact you and say, "Listen, I can be free in my love of hip hop." And be free to love uh, and, and free to to flow in my faith because that becomes a dichotomy, right? It, it will. It depends. It depends. Um, it it, will, it becomes a dichotomy based on your understanding, your understanding of theology, and your understanding of culture, and your understanding of history. Because the thing is, when we look at the history of hip hop, hip hop originated to combat the uh, the dysfunction that was going on in the boroughs and in the urban cities. It was an expression that came to increase the peace that was going on, right? And then like within the church, when you look at the church, uh, you know, we were gonna talk about that. A lot of the theology, especially from the black church, right? Or even from the uh, historical Roman Catholicism perspective, the liberation theology was basically set up to combat the social ills in society. And that's what hip hop was all about. That's what Martin Luther King's um, uh, dream was all about. Basically, and when you hear when you talk about people like James uh, James Cone and Reverend Jeremiah Wright and all those different wonderful people that really sold into uh, a liberation theology, their goal was to find um, uh, uh, to get people to see that God wants people to be whole, holistically well, even on a social level. And hip hop talks about that all the time. And that was the aspect of hip hop we ministered and we proclaimed. We proclaimed the love of Jesus Christ. And we told people you can love God and you can love hip hop and you don't have to compromise your faith. Now, if it was a dichotomy, a lot of times it was for people who were considered what I consider traditionalists. Exactly. So I can remember one time I had a conversation with this woman. She was a few years older than I was. And she had talked about us. I think she was actually at a summer camp that I was at. Mm -hmm. And she said that she had gone to my church. And I said, you know, Deliverance Church. And I said, I, I don't remember seeing you there. How come, you know, how come you didn't stay there? And she said, you know, I, I wanted to join the choir there because they had a good choir at that particular time. We had a really big choir. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't remember ever seeing you there and stuff. And she, you know, she yeah, said, what you call up here, right? Y'all had a good choir. Y'all were bad too, even though she told you to hush. Well, go ahead. 
<laughs> well, well, they were bad. <laughs> uh, it got bad when I got in the choir. That's positive. But anyway, anyway, uh, so, uh, so I, you know, we're having a conversation, and I'm like, you know, I don't remember seeing her, and she's like, yeah, because I stopped going there because you guys had too many rules. Mm. Um, I'm like rules, and she's like, yeah, you know, I had to wear a dress, and I had to, you know, wear lipstick and all this kind of stuff, and you know, I could just, I can just imagine how many people were felt pushed out of the church because of that. And, and, um, Teresa is saying you were meeting people where they are. Right. And so this is, this is exactly the point that this, that this woman was saying into me indirectly is that she didn't want to go to this, to, to our church because we did have these different types of rules where you couldn't sing in a court. We didn't even want you in a, in a sanctuary with the, with the, with some pants yeah. on right. or, or lipstick or earrings and all that kind of stuff. And, um, uh, tr your wife is saying uh, open mics to answer Aisha's question. They, they had open mics, local and global outreach, annual hip hop conferences, providing platforms for artists who were shunned by traditional churches. Right. So here's a woman who was shunned by traditional church. And through the conversation, she ended up telling me that she went to um, she went to a different church in their choir. And so, I, you know, that really kind of kind of got, got me thinking. I think I was. I don't know where I was, you know, but but it really got, got me thinking about how many people the church is actually pushing people out, and that's the type of church that you are trying to build is to bring people in and to and to accept them. Right. Um, <laughs> I thank you, DC. I, I thank you. I, I sure I should I sure I did. <laughs> um, so. Talk to us a little. You, you mentioned um, uh, you, you're teaching a class hip hop theology. Black. What, what was it? What was that? Theology again? of hip hop or theology. theology. Okay, explain that. Explain what that is to us. Basically, the just um, teaching uh, teaching people just the theological uh, component of hip hop. Hip hop has a traceable theolo theological center. People don't even realize that. But you have to really understand just this whole aspect of theology. Theology is the study of God. And as you understand the study of God, people, a part of the study of God is also the interpretation of what you study. And people interpret God through not only just the, uh, uh, just the academia perspective, but through experience, uh, through understanding um, life experience, through understanding the social uh, 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 arena and all those different things. So when you talk about hip hop, these young men and women back then were discovering and understanding God through that lens, man. And um, I talk about that. I, I, I break it down early on. A lot of the young men and women, man, who were really seeking to want to know God, um, a lot of them were shunned by the church. And that's why there was other faith uh, 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 groups that were able to pick them up so quick. You know? And, uh, and, and you you allow them to stay where they are, right? You not only embrace their, their what they got going on, you meet them where they are, mm -hmm. but you... You in, you embrace that and say stay where you are. Essentially, you love God where you are. Is that that's essentially what you're saying? If I'm understanding you right, yeah. My goal was to minister to them uh, uh, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, so they they can come and know who <coughs> Jesus Christ is. <coughs> excuse me, and live for him. That happened for Hawking and spitting on the mic. So that, that <laughs> just just to know. <laughs> All right, okay, we're gonna stop it. All right, so uh, so um. My goal was that, right? Uh, the reason with people, man, the reason with people, to reason and let people know, listen, I want you to know that uh, Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, um, but uh, let's take time. Let me find out your theological backdrop. Let me find out, you know, your understanding of God. Let me, let's, let's reason together. Let's talk. Let's build. 
uh, I'm, I'm inspired by what Paul did in Acts chapter 17 when he was in um, Athens, when he saw that uh, he, he was uh, in a highly, um, um, highly uh, philosophical uh, uh, culture um, um, with the Greeks. And uh, basically they spent a lot of time talking philosophy, theology, religion, and all those different things. What Paul did was he met them where they were at. You know, he didn't judge them, he didn't condemn them, but he built with them, but he also challenged them. And those were some of the things that we believed in doing, man. I mean, just meeting people where they're at. Everybody's not gonna believe the way I believe. At the same time, my goal is to share with them, man. The, um, and I was unapologetic about my faith in Jesus Christ, but just let them know, man, that um, you come get to know who Jesus is. So let's you talk know? about the pushback. Let's talk about the pushback. And I know that you, you, you received a lot of pushback from other people who are more seasoned in church. Uh, and so, um, and, and, and what do you do with the scripture that says, uh, you know, come out from among them, right? So this, this, this becomes, this becomes, no, seriously, seriously, this becomes, this becomes the, the issue. You know, w what are we coming out from? Who are we coming out from amongst? Um, uh, yeah. So, so I want to talk about that. Who? You got a lot of pushback because people have this image of God. That's why people are asking, what is the service like? What is the, are people, I don't think I got to the question here. Are people over 40 uh, going to the church? Uh, is it well lit? Because they have this idea of what church should look like. And then, gonna, uh, then again, people are saying, come out from among them and be separate. So talk about the pushback that you got from other leaders, other church leaders. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot of them, some felt what I did was, was very demonic. You know, it's, it's funny. I laugh about this, but there was a couple that felt what I did was demonic. But the same people thought what I did was demonic wanted me to be their youth pastor. So that <laughs> that was that was <laughs> that was funny to me, man. Um, yeah. So there was there was a lot of pushback. People just they didn't understand it. They 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 judged from afar. And all I wanted to do was just deal with them. I, I a lot of times I said, look, let's take let's sit down and have a conversation. I can explain to you uh, my biblical approach to what I do. And a lot of them didn't want to have a conversation with me. I felt like they were afraid that I may, I might change their, 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 their mindset on it. And I kid you not, Lawrence, a lot of the people that were talking against it, I'll say probably like 95% of them never want to sit down and talk with me. Mm. Yeah, none of, none of them. And then when I think about that scripture, man, you and I both know um, it, context is very important. Context is very important because if that's the case then, man, we should even question the black gospel music, knowing where it derives from. You get what I'm saying? Because the culture of it, man, you get what I'm saying? Um, early on, early on, history tells us early on, the church had an issue with just instruments being in church for mm -hmm. a period of time. So you get what I'm saying? The progression, you know, the constant progression as, as things progressed, as, as the years went by, there's always a, a fight for more innovative things to happen within church. But I tell people the, the method is not the issue. It's, it's the message. So when they talk about come from among the men in, in, in context, let's really look at that passage because it wasn't talking about a cultural sound of music or, or a particular subculture that was going against what the scripture was saying. You know, they, they were talking about people that were, that choose to live in a certain kind of a lifestyle as it pertains to uh, loving their neighbor, as it pertains to honoring God. You know what I'm saying? What difference does it make if a kid sings, you know, yes, Jesus love me, or then someone go, yes, <laughs> Jesus love me. I mean, what's, 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 you get what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's an expression. So I, I, I get, I, I think I get, I, I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I, 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 I get the, the, the musical 
genre of it. And we probably need to explore this a little bit more. Okay. I get that. I and I, I don't think that people would probably have as much of that problem with that. They but do. they do, bro. They well, do. I'm sure that they do. I'm sure that they do. But I think it's the culture. And, and we'll probably need to talk a little bit about this. And let's talk about, let, let, let's talk about this for a little bit because okay. chapter six, I know we kind of jumped around here. Chapter six in your books okay. talks, talk, talks about the misuse of hip hop. So let's talk about the misuse of it. What, is your, what are you classifying as the mis, misuse of hip hop? What are you classifying as that? The misuse of hip hop is a couple of things. Number one, people just, because someone just asked, was there over, of, over 40 year olds? Yes, there was over 40 year olds. For instance, man, I had white elderly men that were members of my church. You know what I'm saying? I had white elderly people. I had all kinds of people that the bulk of my congregation were college age students, though. Okay. Um, the misuse of the culture is number one, people don't see it as a legitimized culture that was designed to really help people in the community. Number one, hip hop was out since the late 60s, early 70s. So hip hop is just not a youth culture. Okay. L, me and you, we grew up together. We grew up on hip hop. All right. Hip hop is old. Hip hop is about 50 years old and older. You know, so that's one thing where people I'm, I'm and when we talk about misuse of hip hop. I could talk church or I could talk uh, outside of church. Which one you want? Well, let's start outside the church first. Okay. Let's start with there. Outside of church is when you understand the purpose of hip hop was designed to get kids off the street. Commercial rap is not a thorough hip hop culture. Commercial rap is designed to use the music to objectify women to uh, promote a gang-affiliated lifestyle, to promote a lifestyle that lacks discipline, and it's not about education, it's not about building up your community, okay? That's commercialized rap. That is not, at the core, true hip-hop, all right? So what's happened is- So the core true hip-hop, the core true hip-hop is, is the exact opposite, to get people off the street. It's the exact street. opposite. Okay. It's the exact opposite, okay? With Grandmaster Flowers, with DJ Hollywood, with African Mimbada, with DJ Cool Hurt, what, what, uh, 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 with Grandmaster Flash, they were trying to get kids off the street, get them out of gangs, and get them out of trouble. And they used the arts to do that. The crazy thing is, when I try to talk to church people, they don't even want to hear that. They just see the style and they just like, yeah, I don't want to have nothing to do with it. Their goal is to get kids off the street. All right. And so we go from getting people off the street, and you're the historian here. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. We're going to get people off the street, and then we get to conscious hip hop, right? The, the public conscious. enemies. Yeah. Right. Right, yeah. I would I would even say a little bit. Uh, um, who's that? Not Kumo D. Uh, well, Kumo D was conscious too. See, oh, that's yeah, yeah. the majority of the artists that started early, they were conscious. If right. you think about it, L, it wasn't until like the late '80s, early '90s, till you start to hear more of the gangster rap that came to the scene. But yeah. when it came, it was an underground movement early yeah. on, man. Don't get me wrong; there was a, a lot of braggadocious type stuff in it. You know, like any culture, you're going to see forms of dysfunction, man, and sin within the culture. However, what happened was after a while, the rich white executive record execs saw that it could be marketable at the expense of our people. And they took it and they ran with it. They got rid of all the other elements and they just took that one particular style of rap, which was gangster rap and explicit rap. And they used it, man, as 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 and, and they and they earned millions from that at the expense of our own people. Uh, I. I... I don't like that argument. I, I don't like I don't like that argument. I, I agree that people exploited it, but we didn't have to listen to it. We didn't have to buy it. And the number one purchasers of this of, of that in today's time is, is white kids. Right. So so it's we're, we're wrapping it. We're saying the N word. We're fast forwarding now, right? We're saying we're saying we're saying the N word. Uh, we refuse to uh, market our own stuff. 
uh, every style that's out there from, from the baggy, saggy pants to the ripped up jeans. You know, we start all this kind of stuff and, and, and we're not cashing in on it. So I, I, I don't like blaming other other. It's I, I just have a problem. You, you know what I'm, I'm not this the point I'm trying to say is I'm not blaming them. What I'm trying to say is just that we won't take the time to understand the culture. Right. Mm -hmm. And since we don't take time to understand the culture, man, we don't get involved. And if we don't get involved, we continue to allow this cycle to perpetuate itself. And it's at the expense of our own people. Mm. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. You, you, you get what I'm saying? So I'm not saying that. Um, um, look, bro, we have a responsibility. I'm not taking away the fact we have we don't have a responsibility. But at the same time, though, man, in order for us to really, really do what we got to do, it's going to take everybody, man, to rally together, man. Just pushing off. Um, 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 the culture, man, straight up, man. It, 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 it you know what I'm saying? It, it puts us in a bad light. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, so, so before us don't, the generations before us don't engage the culture enough. They just talk about it. You get what I'm saying? So, I, so that's what I want to get to. So, we talked about the misuse of it. We're not engaging the culture. Uh, and so this is what people have a hard time with, right? So, Church, church too, and which mostly we're speaking about black churches, but I would assume a lot of, I talked to a lot of uh, Pentecostal. Uh, Pentecostals, uh, Hispanics, Latinas, mm -hmm. L Latinos, uh, who are um, Latinx people mm -hmm. who are um, grew up in Pentecostal church. Mm -hmm. And there's this thing, and this is this is I think the struggle that they have. So if you get saved or you come, become religious, that you have to dress a certain way, you have to exchange your hip hop attire to not put on suits and be expected to do certain things. And I think that that's the struggle of people. So you're not expecting people to to address that type of type of thing. Right, you're expecting them just to say what they are. You wore baggy pants before, keep wearing them. You wore, I don't even know what the style is today, but you, what's that? You wear tight pants now. Right, right. Now, now you wear tight pants now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, so you're not expecting them to expecting them to change now. So we talked about misuse of hip hop from from that perspective outside of church. How is it misused inside the church? It's misuse inside the church because. We see it as a couple of things. We see it that it's just for youth culture, youth culture, right? I hear people just say this all the time. Oh, baby, that's good what you're doing for the youth. That's good what you're doing for the youth, you know? And I'm just like, well. That could something cute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it's just it's just in the wind soon, right? That's one thing, right? And then another thing is that we only use it as a tool, okay? So basically, some people, some churches use hip-hop to get the kid, uh, kids or adults in, and then once they come in, they do away with it. They throw it away. It's like it's disposable. All right. Bait and switch. Yeah. We got you now. Now you got to take off the stuff, take the earring out your ear to yeah. do all this stuff. Right, 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 right. And I've right. seen this happen so many times before I see a cat that, that grew up and it was in the culture. And all of a sudden, man, once they kind of like get so connected from the church, they forget about, you know what I'm saying, um, um, the culture. You know what I mean? They forget about people that are in the culture. And then when they go out to try to reach people within the culture, you know, they try to get people to assimilate to the church culture. Right, 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 right. Of God. You understand? I'm not saying the kingdom of God. I'm not saying um, uh, basically uh, 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 learning how to love your neighbor as yourself, learning how to love God. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying those different things. I'm not saying um, um, what the scripture has to say, but just you become so, I call it church entity versus Christianity. You know what I mean? The church has its own utopian culture, man, that sometimes tends to forget about people on the outside, not all of it. And I do want to say there's some rich traditions that we have within our culture. So I'm not, I'm not here to, to knock our culture, man. Um, 
because I believe the Church of God in Christ has a wonderful, beautiful, rich culture, and I'm a part of it. I'm, I'm unapologetic, and I'm, I'm not ashamed of it. But I'm saying there's just also this other dynamic where God is calling us to engage. You know what I'm saying? Are you laughing? No, I just, I'm just thinking about the, the grand old church there. You know. Okay. You know, you know how we, you know how we do. Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> so you talked a little bit about the about the the theology, theology of hip hop. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what it's, so let's talk a little bit about let's get a little controversial here. Mm -hmm. Black liberation theology. Is it is it similar? Do you what are you telling the people to, how to live uh, uh, in, in contrast that with black liberation theology, if, if you would? Uh, I, black liberation theology. What is that? What is that? What is black liberation theology? Yes. OK. Uh, black liberation theology is a theology that's designed, especially within the black community, to address the social ills, the political ills, to um, um, uh, 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 different forms of injustice that happens in the community, especially from a black lens. You know, um, you have people from the South that has to deal with it, right? You have people from the North that has to deal with it. You know, you know, you talk about all these different historical roots, and believe it or not, I believe that a lot of the community churches in uh, 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 the black community churches they may not articulate this concept of black liberation theology. I think it's an issue of semantics, but a lot of the churches are trying to make sure from a theological perspective, they have to address what goes on in today's society. All right. So um, part of it, man, when we talk about uh, uh, black liberation theology, um, it's been around for the longest time. You know what I'm saying? But I think sometimes just that term in and of itself rub people the wrong way. Oh, well, it certainly does. And so does that, do you think that, that hip hop theology mirrors that is, is, is along those yeah. lines? Is a sub, sub think, group I of that? Yeah, definitely. Because I, I give an acronym called the juice of hip hop, right? That talks about justice, unity, um, identity, um, um, celebration and exposing issues. When you think about it though, L, the black church have those components. We talk about justice. We talk about unity, right? Unity amongst the body of Christ, unity with your neighbor, like Martin Luther King talks about, right? Then we talk about identity. When you see the identity, you see people like Reverend Jeremiah Wright or even uh, uh, Malcolm X talk about, you know, being proud of who you are. Then we talk about celebration. We celebrate life. We celebrate fellowship with each other. We celebrate how God is good. Then we talk about exposing issues. Those different components, man, uh, um, are within hip hop culture and even within liber black liberation theology. You understand? So those things, there's a lot of similarities within the cultures, but sometimes, like I said, the container is what keep people at a distant bay, especially if you grew up in a traditional setting. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's, I think that that's the struggle that people have. Mm -hmm. uh, Harriet, Harriet says the, the music is an intro into the message. If it allows others who are not in the traditional ways, why not? Coming from the MDV era, Maryland, is that yes, the go-go, yes. DC, Maryland, DC, Virginia area. It's all about go-go within the message and being accepted as you are. The go-go. Is that is that some music? I don't I don't know. You know, go-go, man. You know. Okay. That's too that's too sinful for my ears, you know. If it's not if it's not Kurt Franklin, I don't I don't listen to it. So all right. Um, yeah, no. So, so, so you engage with people who didn't want to talk to you, didn't want to talk to you, didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, so 
and so you embraced people who are not you talk, you talked about you have white males over 40 so this is not just something that is for uh a black people or people into hip-hop right you would accept it anyone and everyone into the church is that right. correct yes i would have now yeah. uh somebody comes to you and they wanted to have a country music night would you have had that, that in an open mic if we had an open mic definitely you know what i mean okay. but the, but the genre you know what i'm saying um and i'm a, I'm a I mean, look i'm a pastor at heart man my thing was if if you want to express your worship to god it's welcome it's welcome, but predominantly, it, it you know, I mean, it was it was it, it was geared towards reaching people in hip hop culture, you know. But if we had an open mic, he came in. I'm just the rhinestone cowboy, you know. what I'm saying, doing the open <laughs> is there a wrong way? Is there a wrong way to go about your expression? Because this is what we're talking about. People have this thing, thing that they think is right. Uh, part of the things that um, that I wrote down is, uh, you know, you talked about the graffiti. You mm -hmm. talked about. Um, uh, um, uh, the pop locking in your book, you talk about it, right? That's dancing, right? Is there a wrong way to worship God? And this, this is obviously a subjective question I'm asking you, but is there a wrong way to worship God? Is there a wrong way to worship God? Um, yeah. If I, if I'm understanding your question, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> is, is there, somebody comes into church, uh, and they want to sing rhinestone cowboys and, and or they want they think that the right way to worship God is to do backflips or to slap your neighbor or is it, <laughs> Slap your neighbor. Wow, that that'd be. <laughs> I'm just talking. I, I I guess what I'm asking is is that people would often see, and I'm channeling my my former pastors here. People would oft, often see <laughs> stupid. People would often often say that that you're going too far, right? You're going yeah. too far towards yeah. towards the enemy, towards the other camp. And I can remember uh, my former pastor, Elder Harrison, would say, "You you want to get as close to the edge as possible without go without falling off without falling off." And he would say that because we would we would have conversations about going to the movies, right? Because we would grow up in a church, we couldn't go to the movies. We're like, well, why could, how come we can't go to the movies? You you know, okay, uh, okay. So I got to sit in my house and watch a movie in the dark. I mean, what what are we saying here? Because you're sitting and see the score for you play marbles, you're marbling, marble nut. <laughs> right, 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 right. All this kind, of, all this kind of stuff. So, 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 where is the line? And I think that that's probably what okay. people are trying to articulate to you. Where is the line between? I understand that, and what I share with people, man, is the fact that, okay, I understand you're so busy about figuring out where is the line, but don't you believe that if a person is seeking to be connected with God, and they're doing with all sincerity, right? Um, there are unique ways you can share with people and say, you know, brother and sister that, you know, I want to encourage you as you continue to cultivate your gift. I want you to, or your expression, I want you to grow in this area. I can say as a pastor, man, very few times people did stuff that was inappropriate. Mm. You know I'm saying like, for instance, man, during, as we're having B-Boy celebrate in, in, in service, nobody really got in the middle of our aisle, start doing a butterfly dance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what you get? I'm saying though, doing a robot, right? Right. The robot, <laughs> I don't know if people remember the, the butterfly. You know what I mean? That was, you know. But you get my point though. Um, right, 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 right. You know what I'm saying? Or twerking for Jesus and whatnot. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> doing the what's that challenge? The you know, I don't the, do, do, do the busted challenge. Doing the busted challenge for <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> No, but you. <laughs> Wait, hey, y'all, listen. Me and him, we do this all the time. 
You're doing the best of challenge for Jesus. Oh God. Jesus you know, saves on the side. You, you, you better said that Troy said you smoking a butt with Jesus saves on the side. I couldn't stop laughing, man. <laughs> smoking a blunt with Jesus saves on the side. Come no, on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> there's a balance, man. There's a right. balance. Right, said, right. So when you seek to love, love God, you avoid all extremes. You know what I'm saying? My goal wasn't to be a maverick or nothing like that. I mean, my goal was just sharing with young people. You can express your love and gratitude towards God in his beautiful artistic <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? And, and, and <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying, all right? So, you know, comedy hour. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. My stomach hurts. My stomach hurts. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh, go ahead, man. Go ahead, man. Because <laughs> it's like 59 minutes, 39 seconds, man. Oh, gosh, man. Yeah, I'm up here swagging the ladders so on. What's, 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 what's another point you're trying to get, man? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's let's talk about man. let's talk about let, let's talk. We talked about and we started this off with um the psychology to, uh, of the overhaul. Let's let's finish off the book here. What could the church do? You're trying to reach out to get young people. I I, I think that the church is very very important as far as uh, helping to reclaim um uh, our psychology, our collective psychology. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about what the church needs to do. How can we? How can we? How can we do this? Well, man, I would say this a couple of things. I think the church should, if anything, listen and engage, set space, listen, engage, and leave room for uh, this generation to go forth in, in, in their expression. You know, I think if you oversee it, they'll, they'll be fine with that. You know what I'm saying? They'll be fine with that. You know, this generation is not seeking to rebel, man. They're seeking for guidance, but you can't guide them unless you engage. If you're just preaching at them and don't take the time to get to know them, it's, it's going to pose as a greater problem. You know, I think that's it's just basic. It's practical. You know, it, it's kind of like, um, um, you know, you're not going to understand someone until you step into the world. And who is the, the person that did it at the optimum level was Jesus Christ when he left the throne in heaven, became Emmanuel, and he dwelt among us, God with us. The incarnation is the perfect example. And why can't we do incarnational ministry by just dwelling among the people and getting to know them? You know what I'm saying? So that's that's it's, it's very it's very practical, man. Jesus said, "Make disciples of all nations." Nations. There's a Greek word uh, that says ethnos, which means different tribes, different uh, groups, people groups, different cultures, and that's what we have to do. Jesus didn't say, "Go and 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 and, and uh, make uh, people uh, Baptist. Go and make people uh, Lutheran." He said, "No, go make disciples of every nation." And hip hop is a nation; it's a subculture. Step into that nation and build relationships and build people, and and that can happen. Mm -hmm. Tell us the strategy for for. I know this is a tough task, man, but we we started off again talking about, and I appreciate everything you just said. We talked about um, what's going on in Minneapolis. Uh, I think Portland is still on fire, New York City, uh, and and so many young people, man. And I think the church really has to play a role in helping to reclaim the streets, reclaim these people. We talk about Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. and I I agree with the critics. 
that say if Black Lives Matter, then we have to. It has to matter to us first. It does. It, it, it must matter to us first. So, where is the church's responsibility in this? Whether it's traditional church, church churches, uh, Baptist, Methodist, all those subgroups that you said that we ought not to have. Unfortunately, we have them. Uh, Hip hop churches. Um, where where does the church play the role in in reclaiming these kids uh, who are killing each other? Engagement. Engagement. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing wrong. I don't take I don't have beef with with liturgical traditional churches, man. I think they're beautiful. I think it it, it speaks of history. And I, I want to keep saying that uh, when we get off, man, if you get any mail, hate mail or anything like that, let them know that I believe that there's a beauty in that. Me and you talk about that. You know what I'm saying? Even though you don't necessarily practice a faith tradition in this season of life, but the church in and of itself is beautiful. The different representations of it. God is calling us to engage uh, 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 the communities that we're in, you know, um, understand what's going on in our society. Don't just put things off. Um, don't just leave that up to politicians to deal with political issues. Don't just leave social experts uh, 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 up to just dealing with social issues. I believe if anyone can deal with it and it was proven during the civil rights movement is the church, get involved. Just get, just stick your nose out there. Just be present. You know, sometime, man, if things are going on, if there's a killing that's going on, just be there. You know what I'm saying? If a young man was killed at a certain site, be there. Candlelight vigils, um, um, roundtable discussions, stuff that's going on with the city council. Just be involved. Set your presence there. You know, and that speaks a lot. You know, um, people are not coming inside the church like they used to, especially with the pandemic that's going on. You know what I'm saying? Well, how do we get them back in the church? Tell us about how we get them back in into the church. Because I believe the church should be the cultural center. Uh, you, know, you know, people have uh, different cultures, mm -hmm. particularly here in Waterbury. They had Lithuanian social clubs, Albanian social clubs, Italian social clubs. And I, I have no problem with that. We, we didn't have Af any that I can remember. Oh, yeah, African-American. What's that? We had the church or the juke joints in the South. Right, right, right. So so we got to get them back there and get this education into them, get teaching into them, get knowledge into them, a sense of self, a sense of pride, a sense of respect for their elders. How do we get them back, right? Because we got to get them off the street as you were giving them an alternative to club night. We got to give them alternatives to this lifestyle. Yeah, I would, like I said, I would say engage. Um, and this is the crazy thing about it though, right? Um, sometimes when I'm talking to older people, I realize that some of them are not even engaged with their kids, their own kids. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not even engaged with their nieces or nephews or even some of the people and some of the young people in their church. And just FYI, last time I checked, man, some of the craziest hardcore cats in the neighborhood are kids that grew up in church mm -hmm. or the parents are involved in church. You know what I'm saying? Engagement is going to be essential. Engaging the culture, engaging young people, understanding the signs of the time. So they have to become students of the culture. You know what I'm saying? Not only just hip hop culture, but just youth culture in general. Understanding postmodernism, understanding, you know what I'm saying? Why do a young person think the way they do? You know what I'm saying? Understanding the concept of, of millennials or 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 or, or 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 the next generation, my son's generation. You know, just man, I just I keep saying engagement, engagement, engagement. Yeah. You know. <clears throat> Very good, man. So this is the last question, man. It's a little controversial, but we're gonna go here. Mm -hmm. The we, you and I talked offline a little bit about what's going on in the Southern Baptist Church. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of um, uh, there's some churches, there's some issues going on. Southern Baptist churches, with some black pastors who want to now leave or thinking about leaving the Southern Baptist Convention 
mm -hmm. churches. Yeah. Um, and because over racial issues, racial difficulties, mm -hmm. uh, as far as um, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention signed some type of document saying that they no longer want to believe or teach uh, critical race theory, don't think it's necessary. And some of the black pastors are pushing back against that and thinking about leaving. Uh, and I want to get your thoughts about about. Well, unless they felt called, unless they felt called to be there, they should have left a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just. <laughs> I was being honest, man. I mean, um, I just, you know, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, man. Um, it's kind of like Nina Simone said this, man. Um, she said, man, you cannot be a, a true musician or you can't be relevant to the culture until you address what's going on. The sign of the times, man. And, and if you're constantly trying to, if you're fighting the uphill battle, with people that don't want to think about, um, uh, <laughs> she put that up here, uh, 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 that don't want to think uh, or engage the issues that are going on in today's society, man, you're going to, you cease to be relevant. You know what I'm saying? And if the church wants to remain relevant, man, that just, yeah, it's unfortunate. It's disheartening. It's disturbing. And I will say straight up, it's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Racism is an issue in our society. You know what I'm saying? And though I understand people go back and forth with some of the tenets within critical race theory and all that kind of stuff or critical theory, I understand that. But the thing is, there should be enough engagement for you to, uh, to, uh, to uh, and especially people don't know the backdrop of what's happening, man. They didn't even consult with the African-American leaders within the denomination before they came out with that. That that's poses as a problem already, man. That's and there's no, if I'm understanding right, there's no African American leadership, right? In the no. top body, there's no, there's no African American. I believe they have African American leadership, but uh, at, uh, uh, not at that, not, not in, in the, the not in the policy making. No, place. no, no, and that poses as a problem. Yeah, that poses as a problem. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's yeah. by itself. So, 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 why am I why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because if this is happening in the church, and I would, I think that you would agree with this. If this is happening in the church, and the church is that is this fundamental body that we talked about that that really kind of branches out, it, it influences how you think. It influences your philosophy, your psychology. The church does all this, right? That's how we started this whole conversation. It influences how you think. And if people are going going to these churches, not seeing any any leadership, any black leadership, uh, not seeing any diverse uh, leadership, women in leadership or whatever, uh, uh, that you take that to your job. You take that into law enforcement. You take that to your nursing job. You take that into your, into your store as a grocery store clerk and wherever. And so this affects how you interact with people. So that's why I'm bringing up this up because I think it's important. And yes, I agree with you that, and I agree with you at, and, and Teresa, uh, she's also saying there's no leadership at the, at the top, right? Uh, they, they, they should leave. Why are you giving your time, energy, money, and support to an organization that is not dedicated towards tearing down these barriers and these walls. And yes, they should have left and launched. I, I, I don't understand uh, why, 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 these, why these elders and these black pastors have not left. Why would you have your congregation be, be affiliated with that? Again, giving your resources and time, energy, and money to these organizations that have no interest in, 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 in what we have an interest in. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. When you're, when you're being treated a certain way, uh, how can I say it? Um, it's just like someone, uh, coming up, uh, to Michael Jordan and saying, man, Hey man, um, you know, uh, I'm just talking hypothetically, man, your teammate, man, they're very mean. 
right? They're an average person. They're not a, they're not a superstar, nothing like that. And Michael's like, man, they're not mean, man. You don't know what you're talking about, right? Mike, of course, they're not going to be mean towards you because you're Michael Jordan and you're of a certain status. They're going to treat you with reverence and respect, okay? Now, a person that's considered lower class than them, you know what I'm saying? They're not going to treat them mean. You get it? Because of the fact that, you know, they can't offer them nothing. When you're the beneficiary, when people are treating you with a certain level of respect, your level of sensitivity or your, your alertness or your ability to discern what's going on outside of your church, it's hard for you to perceive or pick up levels of racism. You get what I'm saying? So there's a high possible chance that some of these churches may not have been experiencing that, you know what I'm saying, until all these social issues have come to the forefront. So since all these social issues have come to the forefront, man, um, now they're starting to see like, man, racism is really alive and well. And as they're starting to speak against it, you know what I'm saying? You know, they're getting pushback. It's kind of like what happened with Fred Price. You know what I'm saying? Even though he's in a word of faith movement, you know what I mean? Um, Till he saw racism happen firsthand with his with his son, you know what I'm saying? Dealing with one of these um, well-known uh, uh, faith leaders, man, he went on a rampage and started teaching on racism for the next few years. You know what I'm saying? No, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know that. I mean, I didn't follow yeah. Fred Price, but I didn't know that. Yeah, there, there, there was there was he was um his I believe his I, I believe something happened with his son experienced some racism. I don't I don't I don't yeah well, well I'll get the facts straight, but he experienced some racism from another well known faith leader. Um, but all the but my problem is, and I agree with Teresa again, and, and you that the this stuff is this stuff is not new. It's not this. It's not new, right? I mean, who is that dude? Um, Grant Graham, the, the recent Graham. Didn't he say something like years ago? This man said the same dude said uh, you can worship with them, right? Worship with black people, but you can't marry them. I was in a church. I was still going to church when this guy said that. Uh, then he came out and said something crazy, something controversial. And they made him step down from from the, from being over the university that he was at. So this stuff is not new. These controversies, their their thoughts, and I can appreciate what you're saying as far as um, you know, being in a certain bubble that you don't see these things are going on. But the problem that I'm having and other people are having is is that once you come out of this bubble and see that this is a problem, they're taking the exact opposite opposite approach. They're saying we're not going to teach race, cr racial, uh, critical race theory. How can you say that after George Floyd? How can you say that after the country darn near blow, blew down? How can you say that after Charlottesville? How can you say that after? How can you say that after that? And so this, again, my point is, is this this influences the psychology, the mentality of your parishioners, and they take it to their homes, they take it to their jobs, they take it to their yoga meetings, they take it to their to their swim meets and to the book clubs. This is the and you have and as leaders in churches, you have an obligation, I would think, to to do everything you talked about, and that's engage with people, influence their thinking, and tell people that we're all of the same family, and they're taking the exact opposite approach, and I I think is disgusting. Mm. So that's my that's my two cents there. So. Brother man, where can we get your book at? Right, like I said, uh, Stacy B. Jones. If 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 my uh, if my wife is still watching, uh, aka Teneroni, uh, she can put it up there. I'll put it up there one time too. Um, Stacy B. Jones. I think I got it. I think I got it. Um, yeah, and let me let me um let me see if I can put up a website too uh, of of kind of like some of the work because uh one of the sisters just asked me a little bit more information. Um, the name of our if if you go on um go on facebook uh look up urban jerusalem my that's the name that was the name of the church so i just do you see that l did that come up 
Uh, Urban Jerusalem. Yep, I got it. Yeah, so if, if she could do that on my Facebook, you can do Stacy B. Jones. Stacy Jones. Yeah, there's this article. You can do a Google. I'll tell her to Google. Um, you know, just I'll tell her just to do this if she's still up up here. You know, and uh, yeah. Hold on one second. Yep. But you're not gonna answer that, are you? Well, no. <laughs> you know, so funny, man. I think Russell Simmons one time was in an interview and he did that. You know. So hopefully that'll help. You know. Yeah. Uh. So you're teaching. In, what schools are you teaching at? What schools? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have a contract right now. I don't have a contract. Okay. Right now. I'm not with any. School. Okay. I thought you were teaching right now. No, okay. I, I wasn't. But actually, no. I'm gonna um. Probably like one of the next few months, though, I'm going to uh, actually have a, a, a do a workshop and I'm going to go on live and do a couple of classes and stuff. So I'm going to do some online classes. Now you're um, oh, I think that's actually a really good idea. Uh, that, yeah. I think that's actually I think that's a, a fantastic idea. Yeah. Um, uh, she's asking, are, are your services online? I really think you ought to start doing that. Our services online. I, I'll yeah. post a few. I'll post a few for you, sis. Um, how about this? Um yeah, if, if you can just um, go on my website and, and leave something, I'll get in contact with you and, I, and I'll, I'll send you some services. Yeah. Um, I had another question there. I forgot it. I got to start writing stuff down. Anyway, so are you, are you are you still rapping? Are you still, uh, you had some, are you doing the raps? Are you still rapping? Are you still, <laughs> are you still, uh, still performing and traveling and stuff? Again, man. Right. <laughs> are you still performing and stuff? Or are you still writing? I, I or do, but mainly my son does the majority of the stuff now. I, you know, I kind of, I didn't retire, but I kind of laid back in the cut. You didn't put your mic on the shelf? Uh, <laughs> you know, my son is the main one that's, that's, that's rhyming now. Okay, and where can we get his music at? He's he's got some songs published now, right, or something? Yeah, right, right, right. And I'm gonna see maybe my wife can put it up there, but Mark Music, um, that's I'll put that up there too. Um, Mark Music, uh, um, yeah, I just I, I should feel ashamed of myself. I don't have uh, the, I didn't know you were gonna ask me that one. Um, I'm sorry, man. It's all right. It's okay. Um. Yeah. So okay. So so um. So we can get his music. You are. So you're not still traveling and doing and part of a rap group. You know, I knew you were up no, before. Not before, uh, Not at that capacity anymore, man. Um. No. But my son, we travel. We do music, and every now and then I, I rock a few songs with him on stage. My wife and all that. And my wife and I, we have a band actually. Um. Um. We have a band. Um. But we haven't done too much lately. You know, because a lot of it. You know, the pandemic. Um, yeah. you know, a lot of, you know, just, you know, we're trying yeah. to get back to the swing of things. I understand. And your wife is singing too, right? She's got a couple of albums out or yeah, not wife, albums or some songs. My wife runs our label, Mark Music. She okay. runs our label and she okay. has uh, close to 10 artists up there. And, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. solid, man. Solid. You okay. Know? Yeah. And she's a singer herself? She's a singer and a okay. vocal instructor. And a vocal instructor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Does she do that online? Could she do it on online if anybody watches this and wants some some music lessons or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. We have videos. Uh we, we all have videos. My wife has a video, my wife has a couple of videos. I have a couple of videos, my son has a couple of videos. Um okay. yeah, a lot of yeah, music videos. Yeah, please. Um, by all means. Hopefully okay. I'm asking her, um, you know, hopefully um um I'm asking her to uh if she can hear me. I don't know if there's a delay, but please I think there's a little bit of a delay, yeah. Yeah, please put the website up uh, for Mark Music, uh, Mark Music Global. Um, 
Yeah, that's the name of the, the, the label. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, thanks, man. I really, really appreciate you coming on, brother. Um, I think she's just put it up here right now. Mark Music yes. Global. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, I don't know if we. Yeah. So I, I think I think people can um can um they can uh they can Google it. You know. Okay. All right. Um. Thanks, brother, man. Um. I really, really appreciate you coming on, man. I enjoyed the conversation. As always, brother, I, yeah, I appreciate that, man. Hopefully, you can have me back on again so I can promote the classes. I would love to do that because um, uh, the classes will be soon. I have the classes in a few months, so people can register and sign up for them. Or just now, what are you going to teach you these classes? Huh? What, are you gonna what specifically are they? Are you said classes? What specifically? I'm going to teach be the, the history of hip hop. I'm going to teach the history of hip hop, the theology of hip hop. Okay. Right, and okay. then I'm going to teach on every element. I'm going to teach the history of every element. The DJ. The, uh, 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 the, uh, the the b-boy b-girl the graffiti artist and the MC I'm gonna give more of a historical teaching and then also to uh, teach on uh, I had this one workshop I used to teach called uh, a Christian hip-hop heaven sent or hell's uh, uh, or, or, or hell's deception you know okay so, yeah so those are the those are the um, things I'm gonna be teaching on all right all right, brother, man, I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Please make sure that you rate and share. I always say this, rate, subscribe, and share these episodes and give the thumbs up, all that kind of good stuff. Um, and I really, really appreciate it. Uh, who's up next week? Is it? I think I have a, a police chief. Yeah, I have a, a former police chief from Idaho, small town in Idaho. So he talks about police reform. We're going to have a great conversation. Uh, that's next week. And uh, um, he wrote a book, which I read. And um, we're going to have a great conversation about police reform, his thoughts and ideas. Particularly, I think it's interesting coming from a small town Idaho police officer, a mm. police, um, police chief. I think that will be a very, very good conversation. And uh, thank you so much, Trinice. Thank you so much. Um, you guys can support the podcast through PayPal, Cash App, and Venmo. Um, let's see. What else? I got all these banners I always forget to put up here. Oh, you guys can check out HunterPoliceTraining.com. Um, uh, and make sure you guys subscribe to the audio podcast as well. So I put up some episodes on Facebook and YouTube. A lot of times we do these lives, but many people don't. Um, uh, I also do... Um, uh, records at other times and stuff today like today i interviewed uh, a, a district attorney i won't release this episode for a couple of weeks but but i inter interviewed a district attorney former district attorney we had a great great conversation um so I always got some stuff that's going on it's not just the live episodes i appreciate you guys listening to the live episodes but facebook don't forget about youtube uh and the audio version of captain hunter's podcast where you can listen to these episodes other guests and uh, you know you're going out for a walk or working out or washing dishes or having your lo making love sessions or whatever uh you guys can listen to my my <laughs> 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 I try to sneak that by people there, man. Nobody wants to listen to me when they're making love, man. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, did you hear about the... <laughs> uh, we're going to start twerking for Jesus there, man. Uh, did you hear about the nine-year-old that was cuffed, handcuffed, and sprayed? I did not hear about that. I'll, I'll, I'll Google that uh, a little bit later. But, you know, listen, these cops got to make better decisions. These cops got to make better decisions. And 
there, how can you how can any officer do this in today's time and in today's climate with all the YouTube videos with all the training with all the roll call announcements uh, how can somebody some police officer do that so and that's exactly what we talked about today maybe I'll release this episode uh, with the prosecuting attorney today we talked about just training our brains to think differently it was a really 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 good conversation I had with the district attorney training our brains to to think differently and critically. Um, and so we've got to be able to do that. And these cops are not thinking. If they're out there handcuffing nine-year-olds and five-year-olds and um, spraying them, it's just no excuse for that. So that's it. <laughs> I get the last one, man. I know, man. Twerking for Jesus. Twerking for, we're going twerking for Jesus. You know, we love him too, man. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Stripping for Jesus is that is that a thing now? We, that's, that's not his thing, right? That's talking later, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing, Bobby is there. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> he probably would have let us have it then. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Much love and peace, guys. Take care. Have a great week. Talk to you. Police reform is more than just a trending topic. My name is Lawrence Hunter. I'm a retired police captain from the state of Connecticut, and I've written a new book called Police Reform. And I talk about the evolution of law enforcement here in America and what changes need to be made in order to improve the relationship between the police and the communities that they serve. Over the past few months, it has become increasingly more important and more evident that there's something amiss and awry between the police and the communities that they serve. So whether you're about defunding the police or defending the police, if you're about Blue Lives Matter or Black Lives Matter, no matter what side of the fence you happen to sit on, make sure that you pick up your copy of Police Reform today.